What's up, everybody? You are about to listen to a free 15-minute preview of this week's bonus podcast, Top Rope Nation Extra. Did you know that we do two podcasts per week? That's right. You get our normal flagship podcast every single Friday morning, but we're doing a second show for Patreon supporters. The only way to hear these shows each and every week in full is by becoming a supporter of ours on Patreon. The link is right here in the podcast description. These are real, loose, free-flowing shows we have a lot of fun with each and every week. And like I said, the only way you can hear it is by supporting us on Patreon. So if you enjoy the normal, free, weekly show we have been doing since 2016, you're going to love Top Rope Nation Extra. Take a listen here to the free teaser. And if you like what you hear and you want to hear the full show and hear this thing every single week, sign up to support us on Patreon. Click the link in the podcast description when you get to the end of this broadcast. What is up, Top Rope Nation? This is Kyle, here to cover not just Dynamite from last night, but also some AEW booking in general. We have a lot to cover, and it's just me. So let's get right to it. So, in my opinion, the top of the card here in AEW is looking quite good as we head into 2022. Last night, we learned that the rematch between World Heavyweight Champion Adam Page and number one contender Brian Danielson will take place on January 5th when Dynamite makes its move to TBS. It's interesting that the match will not take place at Battle of the Belts, uh, which is three days later uh, on Saturday. From a practical standpoint, I think putting the title match on the Wednesday show does make sense as it's going to be seen by more people. And with Battle of the Belts only being an hour, you really couldn't do anything else on that show if you chose to do Paige Danielson 2 there. But it does beg the question, if you're not putting your biggest matches on these quarterly specials, then what is the point of even having them? There is no football opposite Battle of the Belts. I checked that this morning. Uh, But with the only announced match so far being Britt Baker defending the women's title against Riho, I'm not exactly expecting a strong number as of right now for that quarterly special. So uh, you'd hope AEW announces something big uh, for the special in the next week or so. Now, the big news that we learned about Paige and Danielson too, not just when it's taking place, but it's going to have the stipulation of three judges at ringside to determine a winner if they were to again go the 60-minute time limit. This is an obvious callback to the famous Flair Steamboat match in Nashville at WrestleWar 89. And I've got to wonder who the judges are going to be. Multiple times, Paige made derisive remarks about old guys getting paydays. You have to wonder if that's a tease for some future angle or not. Of course, in the aforementioned Flair Steamboat match, you had the all-time great post-match angle with Terry Funk, who was one of the judges sitting at ringside, along with Lou Fez and Pat O'Connor, attacking Flair. Uh, And if AEW wanted to completely rip off that angle, I thought of this. This is kind of funny. They could have Wyndham Rotunda show up in the funk role and have a victorious page tell him, you've been out in Hollywood. We've got a top 10, and that's why we're number one. But obviously, I would not recommend doing that uh, reprisal of Wrestle War 89. By the way, Ric Flair could be a judge. 
here. I think he was on Twitter politicking for it. Uh, it would be very funny if he scored the match not in favor of Danielson, given his recent remarks. I'd like to see Bret Hart be one of the judges, uh, even though he's not going to do anything physical. Uh, hopefully Eric Bischoff or his buddy Jason Hervey, a judge for the Flair Sting Clash, one match uh, will not be involved. I love the promo segment from last night overall. I know people harp on the fact that Danielson looks stronger on these promos, not looks stronger, comes off as stronger on these promos, but the goal of this program, remember, is to elevate Adam Page to the top guy uh, in the promotion. He already is the champion, and I think he, you know, he's already had his best match of his career against Danielson. Now he goes for the biggest win. He does need to beat him uh, on January 5th. I think he will. It's not going to be by judge's decision. Uh, as far as the promo battle goes, I think Page stands his own. I think it plays, you know, the way they do it plays into their characters well. Page is a guy who always will work better when he has a mountain to climb. And he's getting more and more sure of himself in the champion's role. And I think, you know, as time rolls on, he'll be more and more uh, strong. And he's only going to grow into it. But they're not going to take the title off him this early, obviously. But he does need to win on the 5th. Shifting gears, I really liked the main event from last night. The six-man tag between CM Punk, Sting, and Darby Allin against MJF and FTR. Punk comes out wearing face paint, although it was more Ultimate Warrior than Sting. But still a nice touch. Uh, Many on Twitter have been calling for that. Punk also had Sting-themed tights when uh, Sting had Punk-inspired face paint. That was great. In our Facebook group, I called for MJF to work this match similar to Rick Martel at SummerSlam 89. Bit of an old callback for some of you. That was another six-man tag. MJF did just that, playing the cowardly heel, constantly running away from the guy he was feuding with. Here, they even worked in a bit where MJF completely left ringside to run up and then come back down the stairs in the arena while Punk chased. That was nice. The other big story of the match was just how over Sting was and how good he looked in the ring. As far as how over he was, maybe that's not a surprise based on the fact that him working Greensboro again was such a big part of the hype heading into this match. Sting looking great. The baby faces won. The match was exactly what it should have been. Loved the idea of Punk and MJF being on opposite sides, but not touching and thus leaving you wanting more. Now, the next question is how do much do you prolong the inevitable Punk-MJF one-on-one match? You've still got more than two months until the Revolution pay-per-view, so it would be a tough stretch if you waited until then. However... Something happened in last night's six-man that may allow them to stretch this out. MJF, and we certainly hope he's okay, took that nasty head-first spill on the concrete after being thrown over the top rope by Sting. Should be noted, after the show, MJF goes on Twitter, says he's feeling fine, but obviously no real testing had been done by that point, so we're waiting to hear, make sure he's 100% or, or you know not banged up, won't have to miss any significant time. Regardless... If Tony Khan is looking to stretch this one-on-one match out and doesn't want to have it right away, certainly it should be a few weeks away from this big uh, title rematch they're doing on the 5th, he needs to throw the old neck brace on MJF. MJF can play up what is hopefully not a real injury at all as a way to avoid wrestling punk for a while. I think that would work. I think it would be a great bit. People saw the neck. 
you know, even if he's not really hurt, it's the heelish thing to do. And I think, again, if you didn't want to do that match in a couple weeks, that'll give you some latitude. Uh, you know, is again, I, I just don't think you could wait all the way to Revolution to have their first match. Uh, looking back at Punk, while we all have liked this feud with MJF, I certainly have. It was something here at Top Rope Nation we called for in our full gear uh, review. Man, I, Punk and Kingston seemingly had more legs. I just, I can't get shake that out of my mind. You know, and they probably could have done more with that. But we shall see, uh, moving forward, what the direction is. We have no clue what the main event for Revolution is going to be. It could be the winner of Paige Danielson, presumably Paige, against the winner of MJF Punk, which would probably be Punk. That's, so uh, that would be interesting. We shall see moving forward. But, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see when that first match happens. Now, well, I feel the two top programs in the promotion are strong. Everything else seems a little directionless in AEW and or off-kilter at the moment. We did get the debut of Kyle O'Reilly last night as he helped Adam Cole defeat Orange Cassidy in the opening match of the show. Crowd was definitely happy to see O'Reilly and a reunited Undisputed Era. However, this was a bit clumsy in the sense that Cole had promised a gift only for him and O'Reilly to seemingly have tension immediately after O'Reilly appeared, I don't know if that was AEW's way of acknowledging these two were feuding on national TV just a few months ago, but I thought that kind of killed the heat. And then you had the Young Bucks come out looking displeased about O'Reilly's arrival. I really think that they actually try to do too much in this segment. Uh, you know, I know that some were looking forward to just, or just wanted O'Reilly to come out of a box and be a literal gift uh, the fact that Cole was having a match on the card last night clued me into that they would not be doing that as almost no one gets two segments on the same show at AEW. Uh, plus, O'Reilly interfering in the Orange Cassidy Adam Cole match was a way to protect the babyface. By the way, I loved Adam Cole's near fall on Orange Cassidy when he arrogantly put his hands in his tights. That was good stuff. Uh, the direction that this seems to be headed is for the former Undisputed Era.